Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Conversations About Running with the Kenya Experience team. I'm Gavin Smith and I'm here today with Callum Jones. Hello mate, how are you getting on? Yeah, I'm okay, thank you. And also joining us live from Attend Kenya is Hugo Vandenbroek. Hey guys, nice to be with you. Yeah, you well? Hey Hugo. Yeah, very good, very good. Oh, I feel like I'm in Kenya, Hugo. It is roasting here in the, the East Midlands of England. I thought so. I, I, I think in the whole of Western Europe, it's super hot, right? Whereas in oh, Kenya at the moment, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, uh, it's, it's, you've got some cloud and, cloud and a bit of rain at the moment, have you? Yeah, clouds and rain. And um, I mean, it's never really cold here, of course, in Kenya. But uh, I would say it's probably not going uh, above 20 degrees. And probably uh, at yeah. night, it's, 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 it's like uh, 12 or something. But I mean, still nice during daytime. But uh, you can still run in your short and t-shirt. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's lovely here, but it's just a bit too much. It's it's sort of getting up over thirty during the day, and then it's hot and sweaty at night. And because because oh, we don't get this weather very much, we're not really ready for it. There's no aircon in the ha- inside or anything. Yeah, that's that's tough. Yeah. So yeah, I'm <laughs> sitting here sweating like I'm doing a hard session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually oh, in uh, I'm actually in Norway at the moment and it's not it's not quite oh, so wait. bad here. Yeah, yeah. So um came over last week to see Amalia for a little bit and uh oh, yeah, nice. it's it's quite it's quite pleasant here. It's it's I feel like we're getting the back of the English heat wave but just with a little bit of cool air from the north so it's quite it's actually quite nice really. Um, yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, so when you said you're doing a, a session with uh, with people yesterday, that was some local athletes out there. Yeah, so we're really lucky here, actually, in the sort of surrounding sort of a half an hour drive from where I'm staying, there's just loads of really good middle distance runners for some reason. Um, some really like called, talented called, youngsters called around. <laughs> Not quite. They're a little okay. bit further away and I think they've got bigger fish to fry than uh, training of me right now. But um, no, there's some really good sort of uh, kind of low 340, 1500 guys, um, sub 14 minute 5k guys. Um so yeah, some some uh, some fun guys to train with at the moment and and race with as well. So um, yeah, quite good. exciting. Are you, are yeah. you, are you, so you're racing out there? I did a race last weekend. Yeah, um, it, it it went pretty well actually. It was my first race. Um, I wasn't so happy with the time, but um, I beat a few of those guys I was just telling you about who are kind of sub fourteen five k guys. And um, so yeah, pretty pretty pleased with the the caliber of people i'm racing against um and yeah hopefully the hopefully the times will track, come in, track, in track ra- yeah track races always take a couple to get going that they in terms of in yeah terms of time yeah like exactly quite yeah i feel uh, like what what distance did you race 1500 so yeah i was going to say especially yeah. for the 1500 i feel like every year i take sort of three three or four races just to kind of get into the into the stride mm-hmm. pattern of the race really so um but yeah it's nice nice being over here yeah, no. Let's hope. Let's hope you get that opportunity to put four or five races back to back. Yeah, fingers crossed. It's all that, still a little bit uncertain, isn't it? Yeah, well, they're they're racing more more normally here. Like the the race I did on the on the weekend just gone was in Oslo, and it was you. There was nothing unusual about it whatsoever. If if you were there watching, you wouldn't know it was like the coronavirus was going on. No, it was just okay. kind of a normal race. And they got things under control at the moment, then. Yeah, absolutely fine. Yeah, the the, the cases yeah. are barely rising at all. Um, they they do have measures in place. Um, but I feel like the kind of population is so spread out here anyway that they they didn't really need to do that much to control it in the first place. Um, right, right. So, 
Uh, hmm. So yeah, it's, it's yeah, fun good. to be racing. No, good. Glad, glad, glad to hear you're racing. That's that's brilliant yeah. news. Yeah, uh, yeah. So before before we get cracking on today's topic, uh, I just wanted to quickly bring up one thing from from the last podcast when we were talking about uh, shoes and particularly Nike Vaporflies and and Hugo. I remember you asking me what would yeah. I wear if I was going to race on the track, uh, and and I said almost certainly I'd wear I'd wear a Vaporfly even for a track race. Um, and uh, since we had that conversation. Yeah, that uh, that that's not, that's no longer an option. That uh, our World Athletics have brought in a new rule just in the last last few days, really. Uh, I think, but well, maybe last mm. last week or so, saying that um, yeah, vapor flies will not be allowed to be used on the track. There's a, a, a they call it the stack height. Right. Um, it's only allowed to be up to 25 millimeters on uh, for for any track race above 800 meters. Um, and Vaporfly, I think, comes in at about 39 or 40. So it's, it's a long way too too big. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. If I had to go back and change my answer to that, I'd say I, I don't know. I don't think I own any track legal shoes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, that, that, well, that reminds me of a discussion I had this week with uh, Jos Hermans, you know, the founder. Yeah, and yeah, head yeah of, the uh, agent to um, uh, Ken and Issa and uh, Elliot. Kipchoge. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, the sports agent. My my my, for, my former boss, believe it or not. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Right. I used to when I used to work with uh, with Canova. I was uh, I was with Global. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so and I work with them also because of the project in India, right? Which um, mm. Global Sports is involved there, and they have actually paid my salary for the last five years. So um, uh, yeah, I was talking. I was congratulating Jos actually on uh, for having had the uh, world and, and then uh, European record on the one hour for 40, what, 44 years. Because in, back in 1976, can you imagine, Jos Hermans yeah. at the age of 26 ran almost 21 kilometers in a one hour run on the track. So uh, tw- it was like 20K and 960 or so, 970 meters. Wow. Thereabouts. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. you know, I mean. What, what, what year was that, sorry? 1976 <laughs> when I was wow. born. <laughs> so, so what, 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 do you know what? Do you know what the half marathon world record was at that time? Uh, no, I would have to look that up. I'm not sure. It must have been something. No, no, no. One. Yeah, no. Yeah, certainly no one had broken one hour then, though, had they? No, no. I mean, Moses. That was Tanui not until was like the 90s. Yeah, Moses Tanui. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm wow. pretty sure it must have been 61 something. And and of course, this was uh, also in a time when sometimes. Um, uh, road races weren't always exactly measured, I think, but but the track right, was. Right. I mean, it was. I know where Jos did that. Uh, it was just a track in the Netherlands, and they had a few thousand people watching and cheering him on. And yeah, so he he ran that. Was and it, that, was it um, was it a synthetic track or cinders? As far as I know, it was a synthetic track. But it's a good question. I have to look that up actually. <laughs> also, but I I'm pretty sure it's synthetic track. But I I can ask Jos, but. Um, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a synthetic track. I think it was in Papendal, which has the, the uh, how do you say, the, the, the National Sports Center, you know, where the Olympic mm-hmm. normally trains. So uh, if there was, probably if there was uh, one synthetic track in the Netherlands, it must have been there. Um, so, um, I'm, yeah. So I'm seeing that here that, seeing that the world record for the half marathon in 1976 was uh, 63.47. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, sorry. So how okay. how how far did Jos get him? Just a few meters shy of twenty-one k. Yeah, he, exactly. So he he would have run a few seconds above the hour at that uh, on that day. So yeah. of course, um, I mean, he was one of the best runners in the world, and and not long after that, he tore his Achilles tendon 
completely. And uh, since then, he uh, yeah, he had to stop his career, unfortunately. But of course, he, uh, I mean, yeah, that's, that's that's pretty shocking, right? That someone would run yeah, uh, a world record with about so, two minutes. So Hugo, ca- car- carry on your story because I think before we interrupted, you were, you were going to tell us why you were uh, talking to Yoss about that race. I got a feeling I know where you're going. Oh uh, well, I I was just. Uh, Telling him, uh, yeah, I'm sorry that the, the record is broken, but uh, you've had it for 44 years. Because <clears throat> this week, uh, Sondra Moen from Norway um, uh, ran uh, a little bit faster. He ran 21K and I think 30 or 40 meters, 31 meters, I think 21K and 31 meters uh, on the track. So that would be a new European record, uh, not a world record, I think, because that's set actually by Haile Kedo Selassie which is also interesting because uh, Jos has always been the agent of Heile. So he was very pleased that Heile, um, yeah, back then, I don't know if it was five or ten years ago, that Heile broke the world record from Jos. Uh, but then he's still at the European record. But yeah, so Jos was telling me now that um, it's not sure actually if the record is actually broken because there's discussion about the shoes. I'm not sure what kind of shoes uh, Sondre was wearing. Uh, I know Sondra well. He, he often trains here in Kenya, and he, he's a great athlete and, and a very nice guy. And I, I, uh, I really, um, how do you say? Um, uh, I would love it for him to break that record, but I understood mm. that there was an issue with the shoe. So very, very possibly uh, possible that he was wearing the Faberflies, and that I, I think, yeah, he was. I've, I've seen he, he definitely yeah, was. I've he was. Yeah. Yeah. So, if that rule then that you said is, uh, if it was already, um, how do you say, uh, uh, active, eh, then he is not allowed yeah. to uh, wear those shoes it, in the it, ah, It's it's a strange one because it seems like there has to be some sort of transition period. If he's training for and planning to race one hour on the track, and then yeah. like a day or two days before, a new rule comes out saying, "Oh no, now you have to have." This yeah. shoe or that shoe? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, um, see what they do. I read a newspaper article about it here um, yesterday. Actually, he was on the, the front page of one of the papers saying that he was angry at the decision. Um, right, right. Basically, he—I think it was—he had done all his training and everything in Nike Vaporflies, ready for this race, knowing that he was going to run in those shoes. And then the decision came out two days before, and he was told. But they, his team, were also told that there may be some exceptions to the rule. And they were just kind of hoping and um, kind of betting that they would be one of the exceptions. Um, mm. That there wasn't really any further stipulations other than there may be some exceptions. Um, so mm. Then he he did the race and then was told, yeah, it's not it's not going to count. So <laughs> a bit angry. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's uh, a real shame. Yeah. But, no. Well, we'll see. I think uh, I think Mo is doing isn't Mo's doing a one hour race in uh, a couple of weeks time. Oh, yeah, I was it? just going right. to say that. I think it's Mo Farah and it's also uh, Bashir Abdi from Belgium. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, really great athlete also, amazing person, has been here in E10 several times and uh, would be really uh, an amazing battle between the two of them. I'm not sure Mo will, will win that because Bashir Abdi is, is, I mean, he's also super, super strong. So Yeah, he's come on, he's come on a lot in the last, uh, last yeah, couple of years as well, hasn't he? He's really exactly. improved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was always pretty wow. good in the last two, three years. Uh-huh. Definitely, he's yeah come to a level of I think two or five in the marathon, right? So mm. uh, yeah, he's definitely I would say equal to uh, to Mo. And um, I think I think it's a shame that uh, I mean, shame maybe isn't the right word, but it would be interesting to see Julian Wonders in that race. 
Yeah. 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 Because that seems to be like his perfect distance, something around the half marathon. Yeah. I'd it love is, to see him is. race. I'd love to see him race those guys. It, 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 that. But yeah, Ju- I don't Julian's think he's just, in the field. He, Julian's absolutely crazy on the road. Like, it's just, he's, yeah, he's, for a, sure. he's a different but, but, but we've never seen him road. run. Well, yeah, but we've never seen him run that distance on the track. No, true, true. So I, I agree. He's a different animal on the road. He's, yeah, he's just so smooth. It's, it's, yeah. Everything about him when you see him running on the road is just unreal yeah. and it hasn't quite translated to the same level on the track but yeah no. whether it would do over 13 miles 13 miles on the track by the way. <laughs> that's a long way uh, yeah 50 laps right yeah more. yeah 50 uh, they have to run about 53 laps or so yeah yeah it's a long way right so today kind of not not a huge tangent for what we're really talking about because we're talking about racing uh today we're going to talk about racing in kenya right um and how this came about, I think it was a couple of podcasts ago. We were right at the end of the podcast. And for some reason, I brought up a, a funny photo that I had from, from when I'd raced across country in Kenya one time. I can't, do you remember what we were talking about? I remember you saying it, but I don't remember what. No, I don't remember what the actual conversation so, was about. <laughs> so, so, so then when we, when, when we went off, uh, when we stopped recording, the, the, the three of us were just still chit-chatting a little bit. And, and we started looking at this photo and we were all just laughing. And it is just a... A, a, a funny photo of me racing in Kenya and it, it got me thinking what uh maybe we could make that the basis of, of of one of our one of our episodes um so each of us have fished out a photo from a race in Kenya um and we're going to tell the story of that photo and then just uh, talk about various aspects of, of racing in Kenya including the altitude and just what the culture of, of racing is like um uh, and go from there and and, and funnily enough couple maybe last actually i know when it was it's because i was watching the uh i was watching the playoff um the playoff final between uh brentford and fulham um and i got a call from miles and anyone who's ever tried to phone me knows that i don't answer my phone um and, and i just and i just looked down at my phone and just saw that i had like three missed calls from miles on like various uh, various modes and he tried to call me on WhatsApp and he tried to call me on the actual phone. There's, yeah, I think three missed calls and I thought, oh, bloody hell, what's going on? It's nine o'clock at night and I've got numerous missed calls. Better check he's all right. So I called him back and as soon as he answered the phone, he was just in floods of, uh, in, in floods of laughter because he said he'd, uh, he'd just listened to that podcast episode and then gone through my Facebook, um, not expect not really sure what to find and thinking that maybe I'd like exaggerated the exaggerated my description of the photo that I was uh <laughs> racing against this guy who was dressed dressed to be work working in an office um but it was just exactly how it how it sounded and yeah he just wanted to he basically wanted to call me up to mock me for my uh that my level of running pitted me against uh people who weren't even dressed for athletics um <laughs> but yeah it kind of reiterated that it was uh, it was uh, worth worth having a chat about so for anyone listening if you look on our instagram or or on our facebook or where, wherever we've advertised this uh, this podcast you'll see each of the photos we're talking about um and yeah we, we're now each just going to sort of tell the story of that photo and just have a have a little chat about it um so who who wants to go first tell me you want to start uh, you... all right yeah go on i'll, I'll, I'll kick us off <laughs> my um <laughs> So yeah, firstly, 
um, what what Miles said to you on the phone was exactly my reaction as well, Gavin. When because you, you said that you were telling us about the photo, and I thought, yeah, like I, I've kind of seen that happen. Like you know, I've seen guys in in non athletics kit racing, and and I just thought, yeah, it's probably one of them. Maybe he was wearing like a different shirt or something. And then and then Gavin sent the photo to our little uh, group chat, and I just thought, wow, actually, his explanation is exactly that photo. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking uh, at it now. I mean, the guy yeah. the guy is wearing. Uh, office shoes he's got blue sort of uh yeah office trousers he's got a, a belt on with like quite a heavy thick buckle he's got a button-up shirt uh yeah he's, he's not he's not he's not attended this event to race at all he has made no. a snap decision right i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna jump his, at this event yeah on his way home from work or something yeah possibly well funnily miles said hugo have a have a look at the photo and see what see what you think Miles is trying to work out whether that uniform was G4S or possibly one of the um, services, like the police or something, because he was looking at the belt and saying it looked like one of the security um, company belts. Mm. Can, can you see right. it, like, as we're... Yeah, yeah, but I can't see if that's G4S or something. So we're wondering if he was maybe there... It doesn't look like to me, but... No, it doesn't look like... This looks like a regular... looks like his personal clothes, actually, but, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah so i think he, yeah like you said i think he's just popped out of the office on a saturday afternoon and just thought oh you know what there's a race going on over there because <laughs> it is a little bit of an industrial area. uh yeah there's there, there are like some industrial areas aren't there around where tuskies takes place mm. there's, yeah. there's factories and uh business parks and things the great thing um, yeah. okay he's not yeah, the on. only one there are still some properly dressed kenyan runners all around you you know, it's not like you're yeah, exactly. like alone with this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not the only one getting beaten, but be, getting beaten by him. No. <laughs> right. We'll, we'll we'll come we'll come back to this one. We'll come back to this one. Callum, yeah. talk us uh, through. Yeah. Uh... So, so my photo is from my it's, it's my first. <laughs> Gavin's already cracking I'm up. At it now. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's my first race in Kenya, um, and I'm I'm kind of typically known anyway for my horrific pain faces in numerous races that i've done whether they be at altitude or not um so um, and this was a particularly painful race at 2400 meters altitude or maybe slightly less it's in that's at, uh, Chet so, Quileo, isn't it Chet Quileo, yeah so maybe what yeah. just under 2000 meters altitude is it yeah 2000 something it's uh, uh Quileo must be around 7000 feet or 2100 yeah. uh, between 2000 and yeah. 2100 meters yeah yeah so this this was my it was my first training camp in Kenya um, about three or four years ago now, and um, this was about three weeks into our training camp. So at this point, I had just started doing kind of hard workouts. I just started doing some like pretty hard tempo runs and hard interval sessions, and I was really kind of getting into training. Um, and then I thought, yeah, okay, well, there was this local race that came up, and it was. I think I'm in the junior race actually here. Uh, so I was 22 at the time and I entered the age junior group race. Age group cheat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought oh, I'm just going to take yeah, that. that yeah. That, that, is one of, that is one of the things that was going to come up when, when I spoke. Every time yeah. I raced across country in Kenya, mm. I would plan to do the junior race just because it was shorter. Yeah. And then, and then I would go to queue up to register and just think, oh, I can't, I can't. I'm, yeah, I'm 27 or 28 or something. This <laughs> yeah. is ridiculous. I've got to do the senior yeah. race, and then you'd have to run 10 or 12k in, in even worse heat because it would be later yeah. in the day. So now, yeah. I, yeah, I fully understand that decision to want to do well, 8k rather than 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny you should say that because I did the junior race and then after I'd, after I'd finished, everyone came up to me, like the locals, and they're like, oh, you did the junior race, you know, as, as if that was the harder option. They were like, yeah, these guys are crazy. Like, these guys are really fast. And, and apparently the junior race I'd done was like, it, it's um, the field is kind of less strung out. So you kind of got like 50 or 60 really fast guys at the front and then you kind of don't have the slower guys at the back to run with whereas in the senior race you've got more of a more of a spread um so what, one thing one thing but, i was told and hugo you can tell me if this is common or maybe this is just one one guy just told me but he t- i can't remember who it was but it was someone who was experienced yeah. in athletics and yeah. he told me that in kenya the junior race is for non-internationals like basically if you haven't competed internationally you compete in the junior race and if you have competed internationally you should be in the senior race I don't and and that, that was more how they did it rather than are you 18 or 20? Yeah, I think actually uh, for for a long time, they just haven't at all been uh, strict, you know, about who runs in which race. Um, uh, it's different, of course, when you come to the, to the national level. It's a totally different story. I mean, you're not going to be able to mm-hmm. run a national championship claiming that you're a junior when you're actually, you know, 22 or 25 or something. D shows that. Um, but I yeah. think uh, in many of the local races, uh, the people who organize the race just d- don't mind at all. It's like you make a choice where, where you want to run. You know, you want to run. They don't even say senior race or junior race. They just say you want to run the 12K or you want to run the 8K. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. So yeah. Yeah. take it like that. Like, oh, the 12K is for if you're really good and well-trained and you're like elite athlete. And 8K is like when you're young and upcoming and you're not really at that level yet. But of course, that's not officially. Yeah, yeah. It it just felt wrong to me. Like I just felt, I, I mean, for, on one perspective, because I was in my late twenties and I was bolding. It's like, can I really, <laughs> can I really stand with the bold patch on the start line of the junior race? And add two because I was, I, you know, I was working with Canova, and to me, like I wouldn't say I was, I certainly wasn't high profile, but people knew that I was Canova's assistant, and that I was working with some pretty decent runners, and it just felt like. If this is controversial, then it's not something I want to be getting involved with. No, understandable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Callum, carry on. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still uh, looking at this photo and just chuckling. <laughs> yeah, I, I, on the other hand, just thought, yeah, 8K, that'll, that'll do for me at the moment. I mean, looking um, at the amount of pain you're in after 8K, I think it's a good job you don't have another two laps to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we we um, we went to this race. I, I don't actually remember what race it was. Do you know, Do you know Hugo? It looks like it's just one Organic. of the league... Not, yeah. not league, but like the the AK series, they call it that. Is it AK cross country series? You go. Yeah, call? they. I mean, every year they have, I think, one, two, or three uh, cross country races in Chipkoilal. So I think it was just one yeah. of those uh, races. Yeah, I, I I don't think it has okay. a specific name, but just probably organized by Athletics Kenya. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's uh, high level, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's it's a good race. I hope it was high level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so Callum, this the the race that you're in there, probably yeah. three or. Three or four years before that, that's the same event that ended Lauren's running career. Oh, really? In, in what way? She, she raced there and hated it so much for <laughs> kind of the same reasons that you're probably about to speak about, just how good everyone else was. Yeah. She never, she never wanted to race again. And then well, luckily, as it happens, she did race again and she enjoyed, now she's at a stage where she just enjoys running. Yeah. Um, but she hated how she felt she was being mocked really by the crowd yeah. um for, you know she's running as hard as she can but she's getting lapped by yeah essentially the best 
female junior runners in the world. Um, yeah. And yeah, the experience was just so negative for her that she just said, I'm never racing again. And, and yeah, she didn't race for a long, long time afterwards. Yeah, it, so, yeah, that's it, one of one of the negatives of the potential yeah, negatives. It, it was an interesting experience because, um, well, I'll talk you through the race and then I'll kind of get to my experience at, at the end. But um, yeah, so we, we get to the start line and um, we we were kind of hanging on the hanging around on the start line for a good half an hour to forty minutes. Like after we had warmed up, we were we were ready to go and we were on the start line for what seemed like hours, but I think it was about half an hour. Um, and and finally they kind of call us to the line and a good kind of two seconds before the gun goes everyone had already hammered it off the start line and then they it was like they pulled the gun like in hindsight as if they're like oh well everyone started we better pull the gun now <laughs> um <laughs> they didn't call everyone back they were just like oh everyone's gone so that's it that's the start of the race so i was i was already well back in the field at this point because i was kind of waiting for the the, the gun that goes off after the race starts um somehow and um <laughs> and, uh, and everyone flies off at, at a crazy pace and i i kind of thought well okay I, you know i've i've learned my way through cross country i i know how to uh, pace myself i know i know the ins and outs of cross country and how it can finish you if you go off too hard um so i went out at what felt like a reasonable pace but um i think i was still getting dragged along a little bit by the uh by the field and and the annoying slash surprising thing was the guys who I thought went out like at a crazy pace just seemed to continue for the whole 8K at that pace. Um, so um, they, they they put quite a big gap on me within 400 meters, um, and then the uh, and then the rest of the, the race was trying yeah kind of like what you said with uh, how Lauren felt was just basically trying not to embarrass myself. <laughs> did you get Did you get laps? I didn't get lapped, and and actually, and the interesting thing was the one of the big differences I've noticed about racing here and uh, in the UK and racing in Kenya was dropping out of the race in Kenya huh. seemed to be just normal, it's like very normal. Yeah, yeah, like if if you if you drop out of a race in in the UK, it's almost like there's a bit of kind of I guess like a bit of yeah, shame surrounds. Yeah, a bit of stigma like you know, you should never even if you're in pain or injured or whatever you shouldn't drop out of a race whether that's right or wrong, I, I don't know, but like, that's, that's just how it is in the UK. And, yeah. um, and, and in Kenya, just within, within 2k of the race, there were people dropping out left, right and center. And I thought the best, the best one I've ever seen. So yeah. Lauren and I went to watch the district cross, uh, sorry, the district track championships at yeah. uh, Cameron stadium. Right. A guy, a guy dropped out after 200 meters of a 5k. <laughs> that's the best one. That's the, I, I could, yeah, drop drop it out on the first lap of a cross country. That sounds crazy, but yeah, that's in my yeah. experience that's normal. Yeah, the worst yeah, on me yeah. I saw he he crossed the line after two hundred meters and then didn't carry on. <laughs> it's like, why are you here? Yeah, but but it is the the, the mentality for a lot of runners um, is it, try to win, and if you're not going to win, then the race yeah. is finished. Yeah, so and once I, you realise yeah. you're not going to win, you're you're out. Yeah, and particularly in my case, because I started off at quite a sort of um, steady pace, I was I was within kind of one, two, three kilometers. I was starting to pick people off near the back. I was overtaking people, and they hated that. They they really didn't like they didn't like seeing a non-Kenyan white guy overtaking them in a race. Um, and yeah, I think like you said with Lauren, there was just a bit of like stigma around the fact that someone else was coming and 
overtaking the Kenyans. And it's, it's just on paper, I finished, I think I finished a hundred and I, I, I finished a hundredth out of 109 finishes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but how many people did you overtake? Who yeah, didn't 165 people started the race, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not so, a bad... Uh, not bad, yeah, that's, not that's, a bad that's rate. Quite a, yeah, uh, that's quite a good rate. My friend, uh, my friend Will, who was there with us at the training camp, raced as well, and he finished. He crossed the line 109th of 109 finishes. Wow! Um, so, so me and me and my friend Will were basically the backmarkers, um, overtaking people. Had, had yeah, I was going to say, had he overtaken people? Yeah, yeah, he he was in the kind of the same boat so as me. Was, as he was like, he was like the sweeper vehicle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you get overtaken yeah. by Will, yeah. you're out. Yeah, that's it. You're out. Yeah. <laughs> so, so me and him were like, yeah, the, the back markers. And every time we overtook someone, kind of, I th- I feel like if I overtook someone, they'd drop out. And those who didn't drop out would then get overtaken by Will. And they were like, right, now nah, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So the, the, the photo itself is me getting to the very end of this race, about to cross the line. Um, realizing that I've kind of that there are only nine people behind me, and uh, thinking, wow, that was uh, that was one of the that hardest things I've ever so done. So in, in in hindsight, you'd you'd say three weeks was far too soon to have raced, or you're glad you did it? Um, no, I'm I'm glad I did it. It was like it was it was an eye opening experience. Like I, I don't think this was the race I kind of came. Um, I came back to so, so we were staying at Hugo's place at the time, his uh, his guest house, and I think we'd spoke about this previously in a in a different podcast. But oh, have we just lost Hugo? Yeah. Oh, we'll wait for him to get back, and I'll just yeah, jump let back. Me, in. Let me invite him back in. Yeah, I don't know how. Oh, there we go. Plus, uh, Hugo, invite. Yeah, just carry on once he once he comes. Yeah, in. already. Must have lost his little Wi-Fi mm, thing. Lost, yeah. Best Wi-Fi in Kenya, though. <laughs> hmm. Let's hope he's back soon. There. Is that him? Hey, he's back. Hello, mate. Yeah. You back? Hey, guys. Yeah. Um, I think... Uh, yeah, there we go. My internet uh, wasn't... Uh, Okay, I hope it's better now. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's very clear. Yeah, you're only gone for yeah, 30 seconds. Right, Callum, carry yeah. on. Um, where was I? Yeah. So I was, we were staying in Hugo's guest house at the time. And um, I, I was saying, I think we spoke about this race in a previous podcast, but I, I came back to um, came back to Hugo afterwards and I just felt like, oh, I just don't know. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like, you know, I'm a, I'm a well-trained athlete. I've ran like for most of my life and I haven't just ran I've trained hard like I could possibly be and then I've come to this race and just been absolutely obliterated <laughs> um and I, yeah I had mixed feelings about it because it was a really cool experience you know racing with some of the fastest guys in the world potentially and and you know you get to experience it and 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 um uh, yeah and just racing in this cool place that you, you kind of hear about on various mediums instagram and whatnot um but on the other hand it's it's a little bit demoralizing <laughs> i just found it a little bit um yeah how am i ever going to be that good you know 
Um, so yeah. I'll... So what? What one thing that I that I ha- often I had to tell myself if I ever I didn't race out there much, mm. but when I did race, I had to remind myself that there is a huge difference for someone who is born and raised at altitude and someone who just happens to be there for even in some cases for me for months and months at a time. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's. I ha- I, I had to keep in mind yeah. anyone. Anyone that I was close to in a race in Kenya, I felt that I would beat by a long, long way. Yeah, that season. yeah. I, I, I don't know where, I don't know what that gap is, but I thought people who were 60 seconds ahead of me over a 10K race, I would beat them if, if we yeah. were in the UK. That's, that's how I felt. Yeah, it, it feels like a very different style of running when I'm running at altitude compared to running at... Oh, he's gone again. Um, I'll, just, I'll keep explaining. Go on, keep yeah. talking. I was yeah. going to say, um, I feel like it's a really different style of running when you're running at altitude compared to sea level. For me, anyway, I feel like at altitude, I'm so aware that this is harder than it should be. You know, I feel like mm. I'm kind of, um, I feel like I'm having to dig deep for the whole race. Whereas when I'm running at sea level, I kind of make a conscious effort to try and relax and, um, yeah, I, I guess. Do, do as little work as i possibly can for the speed that i'm running whereas at altitude i just feel like that's not possible i feel like you just have to dig deep um well, it, it's it's very hard it's very hard very early on isn't it yeah. you can only you can be a couple of minutes into the race and you're like right this is this is survival mode from here on in. yeah exactly that's exactly how i felt and that and i think that's kind of summed up by my uh <laughs> expression on my face as i'm crossing the line um <laughs> but yeah so that was uh that was my experience um of a race in kenya so uh hugo yeah do you want to so so that's so we got a couple of different perspectives here really so we've got callum who's then there um as a first time visitor um we have me who was racing there not not uh i mean i'd been I, I was living there but only for sort of fairly short period of time in the grand scheme of things um and then yourself who is a much higher level athlete anyway, um, and was actually uh, sort of resident there for, for, for a long period of time. So, um, yeah, I, I don't actually know how, how you raced or what this race that you're going to tell us about is. So, yeah, I'm interested to see whether whether your experience is completely different or if there is still some sort of crossover with, uh, with, with what Callum experienced. Okay, yeah, so... I had a pretty good experience actually uh, back in 2009, 11 years ago when I was 33 years old and I was in a pretty good shape and uh, I was running a uh, 5,000 meters on the track in Eldoret in the, the Kipkaino stadium, big stadium, few thousand uh, spectators. And we had uh, 360 men in the race in the 5k and 85 and 60 athletes. So um, yeah, on the picture, you see me waiting among those athletes uh, I think we had to wait for a few hours. It wasn't really clear when the start was, as is often the case in Kenya, but I knew that, so I was prepared. I had a bottle of water and tried to stay in the shade a bit. And uh, I had a feeling that because uh, I was the only only foreigner, uh, that they were uh, actually putting me in the first heat because they, you know, kind of as a gesture to me, you know, to make sure I didn't have to wait very um, well, when the race started, it was really the way I expected. And I had put that in my mind already that, okay, I'll be running this race by myself because I know how Kenyans race. And uh, it's like they all go for the victory. Uh, there's no, you know, uh, patiently building up 
you know, uh, setting a certain pace and, uh, and and trying to maintain that pace until the finish. It's more like, you know, everyone just tries to be in front. So uh, that's what happened. So we started and um, the first lap, I remember uh, I did every lap in about 70 seconds. So in the end, I ran 14.44 on the 5K um, and 70, 71 seconds per lap. And, and um, the Kenyans... So I was the only one and there were 59 other guys in that race and they all started about probably 58 to 62 seconds in the first lap. <laughs> and yeah, so then the speaker started talking and, and I didn't hear that because I was focused. I was just, you know, for me, it was just a time trial and I knew in my in my heart for, for sure I'm going to beat a lot of those guys. I knew it because I, I know not everyone in Kenya has, you know, a level of 1330 or something. There, I knew also from training there are many guys that I can beat. So I was confident and, and I, that was not a problem for me. But it was it was pretty funny, of course. And, and the speaker started talking. And later, uh, my uh, family-in-law, Hilda's brothers and sisters who were watching the race, they explained it all to me. So that was pretty funny because the spectator was like, ah, there's a Mzungu in the race, you know, a foreigner. And uh, probably in his own country, he's a hero. But here we're... <laughs> Show him what the real running is, and then the spectators. So, so, sorry, so the at this point you're like hundreds of meters behind. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, hundreds, two hundred. I don't know how much, but um, of course, I um, there were some guys who continued with sixty-two, sixty-four, or for a few laps, um, but others started to drop back. So um, I think it took me about eight hundred meters, about two laps, to to catch number fifty-nine okay. in the race, right? So to pass the first guy. Um, so the speaker started talking and he was saying like, okay, if you're going to be passed by this Mzungu, you better drop out of the race because you're a shame to all of us. <laughs> you know, you're a shame to the Kenyans. You should not be beaten by a white man. So this was uh, pretty funny. Uh, of course, I didn't realize all this while I was running. I just heard it later. And um, after two laps, I started passing guys and I just maintained my 70, 71 per lap and, and every lap I passed four or five guys and uh, the crowd started to get wilder and wilder. I heard people screaming and, and uh, people told me that uh, many people came from outside the stadium because they heard all that screaming in the stadium. People were just passing by on the streets and they thought, what's going on? And they started running inside the stadium like What's happening there? And people told them there's some Zungu and he's passing the Kenyans. <laughs> and so that was pretty funny. Uh, some of the coaches started running on the track and they started telling their athletes that Mzungu Anakutia, the Mzungu is coming, you know. And then um, uh, most of uh, some of the guys they would drop out uh, just before I passed them. They would look back and then when I they saw that I was coming, they would quickly get out, get out of the race. Uh, a few others, they I would come next to them and then they would start to sprint. Suddenly, they would burst into a sprint for maybe, you know, 10 seconds. And uh, I still remember one guy, he started sprinting and then he grabbed his hamstring <laughs> and he pulled it tight. <laughs> I don't think he really yeah, had a hamstring yeah. issue. And and then the speaker started to change his, his tune because... He, you know, he started saying now that you should not drop out of the race anymore because we don't want the Mzungu to be the only one finishing this race. <laughs> so you just try to stay in the race and, and, and defend the colors of Kenya. So in the end, um, I, I didn't win that race. I was number, I think, six or seven. Uh, there were, I ran 14.44 and I think the winner ran about 14.20. Uh, but it felt pretty heroic, of course, because, you know, the whole stadium got so wild and people started cheering me. And, and um, yeah, it was just a 
1444. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, Altitude, that's pretty solid, though, isn't it? Yeah, it was pretty solid. But I think um, if I would have to translate that to a sea level performance, I think at that time, probably I would run anywhere between 14 flat and 1410, mm. somewhere there. And, and, and then I had Kenyan athletes coming up to me and tell me that you're definitely going to run 205, 206 on the <laughs> marathon. I want to train with you. And I was, I knew that was nonsense. It's like, you know, that's definitely not true. And, and I knew also that from the 60 athletes that, you know, or the 59 that I was competing with, I think probably half of them uh, should have beaten me or could have beaten me if they had a proper, you know, race strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, but because, uh, and, and it's not that they're all stupid or something or that they don't know how to run. I think it's just many of them, they, they just don't care about being number 10 or number 20. They, they want to try their, their best or their luck. Yeah, basically, they want to try their luck and they hope to be top three or top five or, you know, something like that. And, and, and so I think that it's, it's a strategy that they actually choose for. It's not something that they are just, um, I think for some of them, it's probably really not wise to do that uh, because based on their training, you know, they, they should just say like, okay, you know, I should not start in 62 seconds. I should just start much slower than that. But I think for many of them, it's, uh, it's this, this all or nothing uh, like you, you either die or you, you know, you go to victory. It's, it's a strategy and um, yeah, they um, it, it's, it's, it shows what they care about. You know, it's, mm. it's all about trying to win. And because if you win, that can open doors for you, right. That can open yeah, doors sure. to in Europe that can, you know, you get contact with managers and all that. If you're number 20, what does that do for yeah. you? You know, still nothing. So, it's like, uh, yeah, it's it's everything or nothing. Yeah, and, so it's and, like, it's like, uh, like yeah. I mentioned with Callum's race earlier, it's just the idea you start the race to win. And if you're not going to win, then leave it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. And then definitely being beaten by uh, a foreigner or a white man, that is it's always something... Um, shameful for them in a uh, kind of uh, i think it's not only about white men i think it's in general kenyans feel like they are superior runners which they are of course as a group not every individual kenyan but as a group uh, of course they are dominating and and they can accept to be beaten by ethiopians or maybe by somali uh, runners but uh, not by Europeans or Americans yeah. or, or Chinese or Japanese. That, that, yeah. that, that's, that is one of the interesting things is that, say, also when you're in a 10 and there's hundreds and hundreds of runners there, and if you speak to anyone individually or just even in small groups, you'd get the impression that everyone there was able to run 208 or 209 for the marathon. But the, there are actually quite a lot of runners there who would describe themselves as full-time athletes who aren't on, on the world stage aren't that good. No, of course, obviously. I mean, yeah, I would, when I had a level of, uh, let's say, 63 minutes on a half marathon, I'm pretty sure I, I would be among the, the best 20% or 25% in E10. Mm. Uh, the majority of runners would actually have a level if, if they would come to, you know, uh, Europe or America for races, they would probably run 64, 65, 66 or slower on a half marathon. Um, and um, they may have talent to, to do better than that. That is still um, a, that's still a really big statistic, though, to say that you would be in the top 20 or 25% in a 10 with a 63-minute half marathon. And anywhere else in the world, you'd be in the top, well, top 
three or four probably <laughs> um in yeah, a 10 yeah. you kind of you put yourself in the top 25 percent. yeah but the flip um, side of that is that every one of the people there is considering them is, is considering that they have a career to make out of this like yeah, there's, no, there's, yeah, no, there's no one training no one maybe there are one or two literally one or two but there's no one training there because just for fun like i, yeah, I mean sure. i mean amongst amongst the local population there's no one there who's gone to attend for a training camp just because they enjoy running and it's something they want to spend their spend spend their like their their, yeah. their time on it it is because they 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 think they can make a career from it um yeah, sure and yeah. i think the interesting yeah. thing from that is it's it's almost like the, the the way we've just described it, you can still view that as a positive or a negative. It's not necessarily only a negative. Like to say, oh, these guys are only actually able to run 66 and they think they're world-class. It's like some of them then will go on from that. Um, and despite the fact that say, say, say maybe now in 2020, they, they believe they're world-class and they're nowhere near it. But come 2023, they might actually be at that level. So when they see one or two do that, it encourages 50 or 60 others to do the same thing. And then all of a sudden, these numbers yeah. just grow and grow. And you've got hundreds of people there training. Um, yeah, and at that, at that very given moment, only a small percentage of them are as good as they believe they are. Um, but yeah, then some of them do, do, do go on to, 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 to achieve ridiculous levels. And I think that's maybe where here people get discouraged Oh, the, the, the attitude is just so different, isn't it? Like no one who, even someone who was a 60, say, say, say you had a 68 minute half marathon runner, they'd never, they'd never say, oh yeah, I'm going to run 58. Yeah. It just, no. it just it, <laughs> no. it, it, the, the way of thinking is just so different. But if you had a guy who had run that kind of time in, in Kenya, there's every chance that they'd fully believe and they'd be living their life every day with the, deeply ingrained idea that they are going to make it to the absolute top level mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I don't know, just yeah a... and how many huh? yeah go on how many guys uh, would be there in the uk or in the netherlands or anywhere else in the world basically who let's say run um let's say 65 66 on a half marathon or ladies running um 75 73 um who say like I'm not going to work. I want to fully focus on my running because I believe I can, I can be much, much better than this. Yeah, you're not going to no, do that. Sure. You're going to have a job. You have a family. Yeah. You, have, you, you run in the mornings. If, if you're really serious, you may run twice a day, but in between you're still working. Yeah, sure. Whereas here in Kenya, um, you see almost the opposite where you sometimes think like, okay, man, you've been hey, – sometimes I see Kenyan athletes and I think, hey, you've been running like 66, 65 and a half marathon for many years. Why don't you look for a small job? But people feel like no, that's going to interfere with my running career, you know. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't think yeah. there's a, I don't think there's a, a right or wrong or, or even a positive or negative. It's just a different way of thinking and a different way of, of of approaching it. And it's just until you've seen it or experienced it, it's just kind of hard to get your head around the the sheer number of people who who are in that position. And yeah, just the contrast between the the way of thinking, um, yeah, yeah, here, yeah. Here, here and and out there. Mm. Well, I, I'm pretty sure that if, if in the Western world, I think like I was uh, kind of an exception and I think that's why I ran uh, pretty well. I think there are many other Hugos, you know, people of my, uh, with my potential 
in the Western world who don't make that choice to just work for 20 hours a week and I get thought, like I, 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 I thought you were going to say there are many other little Hugos running around that you, you don't know about somewhere in the world there's many many <laughs> other, many many Hugos uh, no guys I have just one wife and two daughters <laughs> yeah sorry carry on no they don't uh, I sorry but um, yeah so what did I want to say <laughs> um, yeah so I made that choice when I came out of college and I was 24 and I, I was running 66 on a half marathon at that time or 65, 50. I had run once, but mostly I was running 66 on a half marathon. And I decided that I, I felt like I could make it uh, to become a professional or semi-professional. So I looked for a job for 20 hours a week, uh, four hours a day, basically, Monday to Friday. So I would train in the morning, go back to bed at 9.30 or 10 o'clock, sleep for another two hours, then go to my job for four hours, come back and do my second session. Mm. And, and for me, that made the difference between going uh, running 66 and running 63. Whereas there were, I think about 10, 20 other guys who were approximately my level when I finished college. And they stayed at that level because they had a full-time job. Um, they had maybe a family to take care of uh, or not, but they just wanted, you know, uh, a yeah, big house. Sure. They wanted a car. And, and I was satisfied with a salary of a thousand euro per month, approximately, or 1200, something like that, uh, which was enough for me to, to live in a small house. And <clears throat> uh, I couldn't immediately get a car, but uh, a few years later, I bought a car. Um, <clears throat> these were just things that I didn't really wor worry about. I was just focused on running. And I think in that way, I was an, uh, an, uh, an exception. And, and I think if, if many more people would have that mentality and, and you know, more like, the Kenyans really mm -hmm. believe in themselves and just say, I'm, I'm really going for it. Uh, and, and, and I, you know, I, I make the choices that are necessary to, to, uh, to be able to do, to be a professional runner. I'm sure there would be many more professional. No, runners. I agree with that um, because um, it's, it's, that reminds me of a conversation I've had, you know, more than one occasion with people here where they've said something like, um, I'm not, I'm not buying it that the Kenyans are just more committed. Like there's, there's no way that it's just because they're so, so serious and X, Y, Z. Um, and then they'll name a certain runner and say, I know, I know so-and-so and he is the most professional, the most serious that, that you've, that you could ever imagine. Uh, and my response was, yeah, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that, but you're giving an isolated incident. I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds of people who live like that for 10 years at a time. And that's so right, not, right. not necessarily that Kenyan professionalism is better than British professionalism. It's that in Kenya, there are 2000 people living that lifestyle. And in Britain, there are maybe 10 or 15. Um, right. That's, and, and that, that's, that's the main. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just like they say, you know, um, Kenyans don't train harder than than uh, let's say European athletes. No. Of course, if you look at the, the, the best European athletes or the best American athletes, whatever, you, you find some people who really know how to train hard. They do high mileage. They do hard workouts. And there's no difference between their training and the training of the Kenyans. It's just that here you have thousands and thousands who do that uh, every single day. And, and of course, we, we have to take into account the, the life situation, you know, the culture, the, the circumstances, because... You know, take a Kenyan out of Kenya, bring them to the UK, and don't expect them to make the same choices. Yeah, you know? sure. Uh, 
you know, they would probably, many Kenyans, if they would get a chance, they would say, hey, I can make good money in this job, you know, with running, I'm not sure I may get injured, uh, you know, it's uncertain, uh, the future as a runner. So they will probably make the same choices. But here in Kenya, um, yeah, many runners feel like, hey, you know, maybe they don't have a lot of education. Um, the jobs that they can do right now, they can still do them if they just run for 10 years. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like it it's not like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If they run for 10 years and then say, hey, now I want to do a job, uh, no one is going to ask them, hey, what did you do for the last 10 years? Yeah. You know, uh, like, yeah, that, that's, you... That's, that's definitely a big concern for people here. It's like, yeah, can you, can you have that big gap on your CV that just says trying to be a good runner? Right, right. Yeah, and then an employer and then at the same time, you so more money mm. in the Western world, right, mm. uh, compared to Kenya, who survive. So, so, so one one thing that I did did think when you were telling us about that race, you go um, and about the the athletes reacting to you and the 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 guy on the on the commentary um, talking about you. Were you not were you not somewhat known at that point? I, I don't mean celebrity, but like did, there aren't so many runners who are there. Like lots of lots of people come and go from a ten, but there aren't so many foreign runners who who are there the whole time, and you get to know who everyone is. Like it can't have been that yeah, much I... of a surprise that that you were good. Surely people knew you were a, a good runner. Yeah, of course. I mean, um, by that time I was living in Iten for almost two years, so I think most people in Iten knew me also because they knew Hilda and uh, Hilda is from a pretty famous family, so I became pretty well known. Um, but of course, this was a race in Eldoret, and I think there were probably two thousand, three thousand people in the stadium, and, and, and maybe a few hundred from it then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who, who knew me, and and then the others from Eldoret and Kapsabet and and Kaptegat, uh, many of them probably didn't know me. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I suppose again, it just sort of highlights the the, the numbers game. Yeah, you you can think there's oh, yes, two thousand runners in a ten or whatever. Then there's another two thousand down the road in Eldoret, and if some have come from the other side from from cap to gat and, and what have you yes yeah, a whole new crowd yeah <laughs> yeah yeah well i'm not i'm not sure of course i didn't do a survey there to ask everyone <laughs> where they were coming from but and i i knew there were definitely some who knew me uh, and and some who didn't and um yeah it was it was quite memorable um because even several years later i would meet some kenyan guys on the airport for instance i would travel uh, from the netherlands back to kenya or the other way around and they would say ah I remember that year in that stadium you were running <laughs> at five. You know? So, yeah, that was that was really something uh, beautiful. Yeah. No, that's great. Uh, so, I mean, with 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 my photo, I don't, I don't have too much to add that we haven't sort of touched on in just the general terms of things. It's it's just it's just a funny photo. Just looking at <laughs> just looking at this guy. Like I, I don't know who he was. I I can't remember whether he finished the race, whether he finished ahead of me or or behind me. I mean, looking at looking at the photo and then i've got the whole series of photos that is fairly early on in the race um and that's 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 very nearly the back of the field you're looking at like if, if you look at that photo in isolation you can see there are runners behind me but there aren't there aren't many behind me um and i hope when we were talking about this the, the other week i really hoped that i had my dates right and i could say yeah and i can show that i was actually in really good shape um, but the dates mm -hmm. don't, the dates don't quite match up. So that was uh, I can't remember what year that was. I think that was two thousand. That was November. So that's Tuskies cross country. So it's November's Tuskies, isn't it? Uh, no. Well, I thought it's normally in February. 
Uh, okay, well, if it's February, even even better because it would have been right before it. So, if it's, well, so whenever Tuskies is, um, I thought that was very shortly before I went home to the UK and came 22nd in the national cross country, uh, which is one of my best okay. ever cross country cross country races. But it was the following season. Um, yeah, so I, I, I thought that yeah. race corresponded almost exactly to me being in shape to come 22nd in the national. Uh, but it was actually a full a full calendar year later, so I, I can't really yeah. remember what's what sort of shape I was in. But much like Callum, I, I don't think I expected to be right at the back or, or very close to the back. And yeah, it's, it's it's tough. It's it's really tough racing racing in Kenya when you're I guess just when most of the athletes are better than you anyway, uh, and you're you're just not quite you're not quite ready to race in that heat and at that altitude and all the uncertainties that go with it. There's no real start time. It's just the races will happen when they happen. And when, 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 yeah. when you're a Westerner and I remember we spoke in one of the other podcast episodes about, um, about sort of pre-race routines and things. And that just goes out of the window. And, and if you are reliant on that, when you're racing Kenya, you're going to really struggle because it's, it can be quite stressful to sort of think, right, I'm going to warm up. And then the race doesn't happen. And so you sit back down and you think, oh, I'm going to sort of try and stay warm, but not do too much. And you're like, oh, I'm starting to get a bit hungry. Should I have something to eat? And then you're not sure if the race is going to just suddenly start out of nowhere. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a very different experience. Yeah, I, I did the same. Um, I did that Tuskies race uh, a couple of years ago as well, Gavin. And um, yeah. it was the exact same. I, <clears throat> I'd, done a, um, I'd done a good sort of 45-minute warm-up, maybe a little bit less, half an hour. And then I, my warm up probably extended to almost two and a half hours because I was mm. just kind of, like you said, I was just kind of doing a stride here and there to try and stay warm. And then right, a couple more minutes had gone, so I'll do another stride, do some more high knees, and before you know it, I've I've spent two and a half hours of just desperately <laughs> trying to stay warm while yeah. all in the shade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and bear in mind, it's always hot because it's always yeah. middle of the yeah. afternoon. Eldoret's hotter than a ten anyway yeah um yes yeah, it's, it's 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 tough um i had i had one other race experience that i was gonna that was, uh maybe two others so what one as a coach and one as as an athlete um and i remember i had one time it was there was a half marathon in eldoret uh and i went there with canova um and he had a couple of his guys were racing and we traveled down together but i was going there to to race um and and canova had uh i'd been trained so i i was working as Renato with with Renato as his assistant for some of the top uh, marathon runners at the time and he had seen me train a little bit with Florence uh, Mrs Florence when she was I, I mean just after this she broke the half marathon world record a couple, couple of years later but she was already sort of right at the top of the right at the top top, top of the top of the world in, for, for marathon and I'd done some training with her and I think Renato had sort of, before I came out to Kenya I'd run 68 for a half as a I think about 22, 23 year old. And I just got mm. the impression that Renato had started to think, I wonder if I could turn Gavin into a decent runner. Just a few little things he'd said and a few little sessions I'd done with Florence where, where I'd performed pretty well. And, and, and I was quite, ex I didn't want to say anything, but I was kind of excited by that. Cause I was like, Oh man, imagine if Canova like actually said, right, let's, let's see what we can do with your own running as well as, as, as well as, as training yourself. And, and on the way to the race, it just had a little, we'd had a little chat and it's it it the first time it ever given me any sort of actual coaching advice for myself rather than sort of teaching me about coaching, um, which, which was sort of what the bulk of our relationship was. 
And uh, and and I just remember him saying, "Oh, just be, just be conservative. Run three twenties like per per kilometer. Run three twenties. Be conservative, and then just try and push on in the second half." Um, and I, sort of thought, yeah, I can do that. I, I can run three twenties for for a for a half marathon. I don't know what that comes in at around seventy minutes for, for yeah, so minutes. about about one seventy. And <laughs> I, I I dropped out of the race after eight k. I didn't run a single split at 320. I, I think I may, maybe a downhill second or third K, I got 321, 322. Other than that, I was struggling and struggling to try and run 325, 330. There was nothing comfortable about it. And yeah, I, I, I DNF'd around 8K, absolutely exhausted. Uh, <laughs> and and I, just, I just remember that was the, the first and last time we ever discussed my, my own running with... Uh, <laughs> with with Canova and I just thought oh, I've ruined it I've ruined my chance to, to be coached by one of the world's one of the world's best coaches and yeah I think he he, he very much saw me as a, a pacemaker for Florence and uh and and a coach from from that day on <laughs> yeah I'd, yeah yeah I'm sorry that. man <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that 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 day's just always stuck with me as a bit of a a bit of a sore a bit of a sore point yeah yeah um, yeah, and then I, I mean, again, I'm just telling random stories here. So you know, jump in and say, say anything else if you've got things to add. Um, but I had another time where I, I went to just just to sort of give people perspective of what races in Kenya can be like. Um, I travelled to Nairobi with Gladys, one of the athletes I was coaching, um, to do a steeplechase, and it was going to be her first. So she she won the World Junior Championships. Um, 2006 i believe and and then had a long period out of the sport with serious injuries um also uh given given birth and just had just had a long time out of the sport and, and we'd spent a long time building her back up to a high level she'd done her first races back some some local track races um and we thought right let's go to nairobi where you've got a proper track uh, and we can actually test you over the steeplechase because she was starting to get the idea that you know i can go back and compete internationally again um so we traveled all the way down to nairobi stayed overnight uh, with a couple of other athletes turned up at um what's it called is it kasarani the, the other stadium in yeah yeah because yes yeah, so, 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 yep. turned up at kasarani uh and again you, you you turn up in the morning having no idea what time your race is going to be um and we just went to look for the schedule and we eventually, we eventually found the schedule and we were just looking through and it, there was just, there was no women's steeplechase on the program. I mean, like, what is going on? This is, this is strange. It's definitely, it, it was one of the official athletics Kenya meetings. We're like, there should definitely be a steeplechase. And, and the officials, the officials basically had a policy of, we don't have any time to answer questions, like go and look at the schedule. Cause there are a lot of athletes lining up, trying to ask them various questions. What, what time is this race going to be? How many heats are there going to be for this? Is the 5K going to be a straight final or is it going to be heats and finals? And they basically just had a closed door policy. There is, we are not answering any questions. Just turn up when it says your race will be on and we'll deal with it then. But there was no women's, there was no women's steeplechase on the program. We're like, what the hell do we do? Do we just enter a different race or do we just try and tr try and get this message across? And I decided, right, we've come all this way. I'm going to speak to someone whether they like it or not, despite the fact that they were making it extremely clear that you are not, you are, we are not answering any questions. And I eventually managed to get 
one of the officials to just come and look at the program with me and all the all the way this was taking this uh, this is taking a long time and i was just going when's women's steeplechase he's like look at the program look at the program uh and he came over and looked at it and he looked through and he he spent about 20 seconds looking he goes yeah it seems like we've missed out women's steeplechase uh we'll do it tomorrow <laughs> and after all that he's like we'll do it tomorrow and like, oh, okay fine come back tomorrow um <laughs> And it was so funny, and it just highlighted how, like, this is one of the best countries in the world for 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 athletics. But it's it's so it's so casual in some respects. It's so low key. Um, yeah, I, I mean that, that that's that that that's the end of the story. It was just, but it, there was no that's problem. Funny. There was no problem. There was no. No one was angry, and apart from me, I was struggling to to stay calm. But all the athletes were fine, and the officials were ah, okay, we'll do it tomorrow. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> I had one time at a race in India where I would come and uh, remember we came there in the morning in the stadium and I asked them, uh, when is the 800 meters? And uh, the official replied to me, uh, when do you suggest? <laughs> <laughs> and he was serious. And I, I was like, ah, you know, any, uh, let's say not between uh, 11 o'clock and four o'clock because it's pretty hot, but maybe after four. Okay. Okay. We can do that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's so different to the UK. Both, yeah, yeah, both. yeah, exactly. It's so serious. People get so uptight. Yeah. If there's a delay of just a few minutes, people can get really yeah. wound up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, right. I reckon we're I reckon we're probably done unless there's anything uh anything you want to add. No, that was a good one. Yeah, I, was, I enjoyed yeah. that. Enjoyed hearing your stories. Yeah, no, ra- ra- yeah. racing in Kenya is different. I, I to some extent I'd say everyone should try it once, but on another extent I'd say it, if I'd have been advising you, Callum, and you were there for, say, like three, four weeks, I'd say, don't bother. Like, just train. Yeah. Not for the faint-hearted. Yeah, for sure. And, and I bet yeah. that, that must have knocked out the next five, six, seven days of training. Yeah, I remember the, I remember the day after that race, I was in bed the whole day. I felt, like, <laughs> I felt ill, exhausted. I was, yeah. you know, when you're just in bed and you just can't do anything. Um, yeah, so I, I think I actually had the race was on a Saturday and on the Sunday I had a long run schedule, just like a, I think it was like a 13 or 14 mile, just easy run. Yeah, but that was and I was absolutely 0% chance I'm doing that. I, tell you so. what, I do. I do have, if you can hold on for a few minutes, I do have one more story. Go for it. So yeah. I, I also went over and raced, um, the cabinet half marathon. Right. I think not it's heard cabinet. Of that Hugo, is that right, right across the valley from you? Is that cabinet? Yeah. Yeah. That's cabinet. That's okay. correct. So we went all the way, we went, we drove over to Cabernet and there was a, yeah, there was a half marathon. I seem to call there was two races, but I was like, right, I'm going to do the half marathon. I'm going to do it fairly hard, but I'm going to do it as my long run. And we'll just see, just see how we get on. Um, and I remember cause my mate, my mate, Steve from, from was over from the UK visiting and he just came over to watch and Lauren and Steve were in the car. So they were basically going to drive and I could just do a hard long run. And, and at whatever point um, I'd just call it quits. And it was a typical, it was a typical Kenyan affair in that there was no particular start time. We weren't even sure where the start line was. Everyone kind of, because it was a point to point course. So everyone met at the, basically everyone met at the finish line and then there were buses to take you to, out to the start line. Um, so I was pretty lucky. We had our own car, so I didn't have to get squeezed in with hundreds of people into a, into a school bus. So I had fairly luxurious um, situation, but it was still tough because there was no, 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 yeah, no time. Everyone was just stood on the start line and we didn't really know why we were waiting or 
or what we were doing. And 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 then it turned out we were waiting for Paul Turgat because um, he was basically he was the man of honour. Um, and also the um, I, I can't remember if it was his race or if he was in he was a sponsor or he he was involved in the race in one way or another. But yeah, time being as as it is in Kenya, he he was nowhere to be seen for for a long time. And so eventually he turns up, does his little speech. Um, the 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 race eventually gets going, and I'm so I'm running. I seem to remember I was running pretty well. I think my idea was to run sort of three forty five per kilometer so sort of six minute mile pace and just see see how long i could keep going um but i ended up for, for some reason i got really stressed quite early on in the race i can't remember what it was if it was the crowds having a go at not having a go at me but you know you know what it's like they're kind of like go mazungu go mazungu and you can't work out whether they're being nice or if they're kind of having a joke at your expense um and i wasn't having a good day <laughs> and i wasn't running as well as i thought i should be uh and i've taken my drink from from steve out the car window a few times and i said to him mate i'm not having i'm not having a good day here and he was encouraging me to keep going um and anyway then this car horn starts beeping and it's like beeping and it's going mazungu 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 and i was i was i wouldn't say i was irate but i was pretty angry i was and i was turning around and i was getting ready to turn around and just i'll try not to swear i don't know if we have young people listening but i was getting ready to tell whoever this was to just like mate just leave me alone f off and leave me alone and you i, I wonder if you can guess what's going to happen just, just as i was about to turn around and tell someone to f off i i turn around and paul Turgat is standing out the back of one of these hilux toyota hilux trucks <laughs> with a massive grin on his face like going go mazungu go mazungu uh, i absolutely love paul Turgat, and i always have I've, i'd never met him but i just always he's one of my favorite runners from when i was a kid and I just turned around and all of a sudden the whole situation changed. And I went from being angry and in a bad mood to all of a sudden I was like, hey, Paul, how are you doing? Good to, thanks, man. Yeah. I'm... And, and then I was so determined to finish because he, he basically said, I'll see you at the finish line. Go, go my friend. You are, you are my best friend. See you at the finish line. You know, obviously I'm not his best friend, but it's just a, an expression he used just to sort of say, you know, you're doing so well or, 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 or whatever. But I had absolutely had it and I was, I was dead on my feet. Uh, so I, I didn't finish the race, but all of a sudden the whole day had changed and I was so happy. And yeah, we got in the car and we drove to the finish. Uh, we had to go to the finish line anyway, cause we'd given some, some other people a lift to the race. Uh, yeah. And then I met, met Paul Turgat at the finish line and we had a long chat and uh, <laughs> yeah, a, a bad, well, a good day turned into a bad day, turned back into a great day. And uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's one of my, one of my favorite memories from all my time in Kenya when I, when I almost told my hero where to go, uh, but luckily I held my tongue and, uh, and uh, was, 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 was polite to stop yourself. Say again, sorry. Can you, can you imagine if you didn't have a chance to stop yourself and you just yeah, turned exactly. around and exactly. Yeah. I felt so guilty. See, I guess the, the, the lesson there is, yeah, well, don't, uh, don't get angry in the middle of the races just cause you're, uh, yeah. just cause yeah. you're tired. Um, but yeah, no, it was cool. No, I've, I've raced probably, maybe less than 10 times in Kenya, but most of them all have a story to go, to go along with them. So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty yeah. cool experience. It's a good thing about training yeah. in Kenya, Definitely. everything, yeah, all yeah. your sessions and races always have a good story to go yeah, with. Yeah, they do. They do. You can just be training <laughs> at the track and without knowing it, some guys there who's won the yeah. diamond league last week and he comes over to talk yeah. to you afterwards or yeah, whatever it is. There's always, yeah. Yeah. There's always someone cool there or just someone being, being nice with a, yeah, with an interesting, interesting story to yeah, tell. Exactly.
Thanks for listening to Conversations About Running. That's all for this episode. We will be back shortly. In the meantime, you can keep up to date with everything we're up to on Instagram, the underscore Kenya underscore experience. Uh, And if you've enjoyed the podcast, then why not tell some of your friends about it and we can try and spread the message a little bit further. Uh, And if you are enjoying what we have to offer, then please consider giving us a nice five star rating on whatever platform it is you get your podcast from. It will be greatly appreciated. Uh, So that's all for now. We'll be back shortly with more conversations about running.